What a pleasure it was for me to meet with Mary Ellis and Alex to talk about their daughter, Erilyn, who has trisomy 13, or Patau syndrome, a very rare chromosome abnormality. I enjoyed meeting Erilyn. What a beautiful and precious little girl. She occupies what used to be the dining room in the family home to accommodate her special bed and all of her equipment and supplies. Erilyn is so loved by her parents, and I appreciated their candor and learning of their wonderful story. When did you find out that your baby had issues? Everything was pretty good with our pregnancy, you know. I had no morning sickness, I had no issues. We were going in anticipating the day of the sonogram that we were gonna get the gender of the baby. So we were excited about that. We were kind of predicting, I'm, I'm saying, oh, it's gonna be a boy. I knew it was gonna be a boy, it's gonna be a boy. We're sitting there and, and the technician is doing the sonogram and she's checking and asking questions and, and she's repeating some of the questions like, have you taken any medication? No. Are you a smoker? No. And she just kind of walked out of the room, grabbed the paperwork, walked out of the room. And before she walked out of the room, we're, we're like, well, what's the baby's gender? So she ran back to the machine and she looked and she moved around and she said, oh, it's a girl. And she walked out of the room and we, we both got emotional. I was crying. I was like, oh my gosh, we're gonna have a girl. We have the boy, now we have the girl. And then the doctor walked in and the whole mood of the room changed because she was serious and she had the, the paperwork in front of her. And the first thing she asked me was, uh, do you know what a cleft lip and cleft palate is? And I, I started getting very emotional and I started crying and I said, yes, I do. She said, well, w there are many reasons why a child has a cleft lip and palate. We have to do um, emergency amniocentesis and they did that and then the results came in and then that's when they told me that Erilyn was going to be trisomy 13, that was her diagnosis. So. Our life was pretty much kind of like we hit a, a wall, you know, the, it was just really intense to, to get a diagnosis that I already knew some of the problems in my own family and the extreme of where trisomy 13 could go. You know, we have children in our family that passed away from the diagnosis and, and then we have children that are currently living. So we, we weren't sure where we were going with Erin. It hit her harder than it hit me because I thought like, oh, it's just uh, cosmetic issues. And don't worry what the baby looks like. We could always fix that, you know, with surgery or whatever. That's what I thought. I didn't, until she explained to me what it was and it was like, oh, okay. That's when it hit. So tell me about how you felt when that hit. When that hit, I felt everything all at one shot. I felt pain, fear, anger. I was afraid of what was to come. I was trying to find something to be angry to, you know, like to put blame on something. It wasn't until later that I realized that that was just a waste of emotion, that uh, a waste of energy that I could just use to direct to Ireland. But yeah, I was trying to find something to be upset about, like, oh, well, you know, it's genetics and, and it's, oh, it's her family's fault. And yeah, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. Oh, it's, um, what is it? Is it what we ate? Is it, uh, you know, what, what led up to the pregnancy? Well, how we lived our lifestyle, you know, that caused this and, or, you know, is it God? Is it, what did I do? You know, I was all over the place, just trying to find something to put blame on. And then I realized that that was just a waste of energy. It was just. That, that was with me too. I 
I feel like when you don't understand something, you, you kind of try to find blame on something. And and I was up more than the sadness. It was kind of like an anger, like, oh, what did I do? Was there something that I did? You know, and you try to find an answer to it and you, there is no answer. You know, there, it's just the way it is. You know, you, you ha there's no control over life. You can't control life. Life takes you in all different types of directions and you, you have to kind of go with the flow and, and see where it leads up to. So. So what advice did your doctor give you at that time? When it was, um, we had a lot of resistance, I remember in the beginning. Just, it seemed like, well, this is your diagnosis. This is your child's quality of life is not going to be good. Your life expectancy is not going to be good. Um, so you have to kind of make a decision. And we were, I think, six months into our pregnancy. I was just coming out of a sonogram where you could hear her heartbeat was really strong and, and they're telling me she has a strong heartbeat. And then I have this doctor telling me that I have to make a decision on whether or not I'm gonna keep this child. And if, I, if I'm not, I have a timeline. I have a very short amount of time to make a decision. So you kind of have like an outer body experience when that happens because this is a, a, a decision that, that is not right. You shouldn't make a decision. No one should be put up against the wall to have to make a decision over somebody else's life. And I think that was the hardest part out of the whole experience. That was the hardest for me. I'm sorry. I, I think that's when I hit rock bottom, was when we were kind of faced with what we were going to do. And our faith is about life. Our faith is about God. Our faith is about hope. To have that being shaken where there's no, you almost kind of lose your faith at that moment, that was rock bottom for me. Hmm. So, you obviously had the baby. Yes. <laughs> so you chose to, to carry the pregnancy. What's been the hardest part for you in, in having uh, Erilyn? Um, adjusting. After Elias, everything was so easy. You know, being a dad is pretty easy. Uh, being a dad for her is different. It's, it's real challenging because you just can't, like Elias, I can just bring out, play some kind of ball game and you know, or watch some cartoon and everything is good. With her, you have to figure it out and it's different. So the challenging part is just trying to make her happy. But thank goodness that one of the things that she does a lot is smile and laugh, which is pretty good. So that makes it, you know, that makes it good. So tell me, what's been the hardest part for you as the mom? Wow, for me, it's, it's um, everything. Everything. <laughs> I have, it seems like when you have a child with a disability, you're not just a mom anymore. You have to wear many hats. You, you Now you're a therapist, you're a doctor, you're a nurse, you're an advocate, you're, I, I say like her receptionist, some making and taking phone calls. It's challenging because you have to, sometimes you don't have time to feel what you're feeling. You have to muster it up and, and keep going through the day. So if you're tired, there's no break. You have to keep going. So that's been the most challenging part was going from uh, taking care of just myself and, and my small little family to now running, now contacting 18 specialists, dealing with seven home nurses, dealing with three supply companies, making sure that every month we, we have supplies being ordered. It's just, now it's a whole world of things that you have to kind of manage and, and try to make sure that you you get everything all in ducks in a row kind of stuff. What's the typical daily routine that you that you that you uh, engage in? 
Oh, man. Super, Super busy, no break. There's no break from Need the Need like three cups of coffee. Yeah, we, it, it's really, you, you have to, there's no break. There's no break. You're constantly running. For us, a t a, just a typical day for me to wake up in the morning and say, okay, who do I have to call today? I have the medical supply companies that I have to call. I have to call transportation because she has three appointments this week. I have to make sure that all her doctor's appointments or referrals are up to date. Make sure that they have all the paperwork that they need. And I have all my paperwork that I need for her. Also kind of managing seven home nurses. You know, this is where all the supplies are. This is where all the things that she needs. Today, she has a cough. She's congested. She needs some suctioning, you know. <laughs> you forgot so, about the struggling with all the companies that you call because they make it so difficult. Oh, they make everything so difficult. So they, I sometimes feel like I'm doing the job of myself and the, their job as well, you know, because they don't understand that if something is not done on their end, it affects us pretty bad. So if they don't send out her, let's say her feeding company doesn't send out her, her feeding supplies for that month, I can't go to Walmart or the supermarket and buy her over-the-counter type of food. These are This is food that is specially made for her, for her feeding tube that she tolerates. So things like that, you know, extension supplies, a bunch of supplies. I have to kind of now rearrange my house to fall into our lifestyle, you know. My basement is full to the top of supplies that Erilyn uses on a daily basis. I took out my dining room to, to make her room because her room is on the second floor and we can't carry her up and down to accommodate basically yeah, everything has to be all the equipment and everything it's a lot of work but I think when you when you love somebody it just becomes part of what you have to do you know it's it just it is what it is the tomorrow is another day another full day of work 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 I I, I start the beginning of the day running <laughs> I, I start running. The first thing I do is start making phone calls because the rest of the week needs to fall into place. It's like, uh, how you call it, like the stage and you have to get all your actors and stage prep and it has to be all ready to go because it just... And we rather have the extreme workload rather than the alternative, so... Yeah, it's true. You know? We, um, I... When we had our first diagnosis with Erilyn, my biggest prayer was, you don't know what it is to pray for a child's life and to continually pray and, and say, you know, Lord, please let me have this child. So when you do have it and you want to cherish it, every day is grateful. So to me, I'm so grateful that she's here. Not many trisomy 13 children because of the severity of their disability. They have a short life. And Erilyn's going to be three at the end of this month. So it, it's pretty extraordinary that we get this opportunity with her. On that line, tell me about the joys. Oh, wow. I honestly feel Erilyn has magnified what joy is. She, she really, for us, we're on a level like no one else. We're on a level where we appreciate every moment. We're on a level where we're grateful for every every opportunity with her and, and just to be with our family and love. I've experienced so many different things with her. I was actually in surgery scrub with my little hairnet and my mask in there with surgery with her. These are experiences I wouldn't have done myself unless I'm going to, to school. And I'm in the OR with her. I get, a, I have doctors respect me now. Very different from the beginning of our journey where doctors are telling you, well, you know, this is it. This is it. 
This is her diagnosis and there's nothing you can do about it. And now they're asking me, mom, what do you want to do? Do you want to do this or you want to do that? And I'm like, mm -mm, you know what, let's do this. You know, because now the tables have kind of turned. <laughs> they see how, 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 much, uh, how much we do for her and, and how, how her care is very well maintained. Like I said, she, she has all types of equipment that I had to fight insurance for. Many times they denied us and I went ahead and kept you know, pushing it. Her medical bed was what, 11 months, almost a year. Going back and forth fighting with the you know, insurance to get it, we finally got it. Her wheelchair was the same thing. You know, they see this diagnosis that they never heard before and don't understand, so automatically they say that you don't need something. And that's not the case. <laughs> you know, she needs everything that she has. So your question was the joys, right? The joys. Yeah. yeah Do I'm you want sorry. to add to that? Yes. Uh, the joys are waking up in the morning and hearing her sing. She, you know, not words, of course, but she literally sings everyone awake in the morning. Like it's time for everyone to wake up, and she'll just go. And you look at her and she's just smiling and she's just like ready for the day. And when she sees the sun, she even gets louder. And you know, that's, that's a joy. Uh, when she looks at the fan, she loves ceiling fans. It doesn't matter where we go. She loves fans. She would just, wherever you go, Lowe's, Home Depot, whatever. She, she, she'll do one of these, right? Cause she doesn't have any control over her body. So she, she keeps going up. But she and she's looking for a fan. I don't know why. And uh, we thought, oh, maybe it's just objects that move. So we've put her in front of objects that move. Nothing. Ceiling fan does the trick. And you know the way she smiles when she sees it, and she chuckles and she giggles and she laughs. That's like that's that's pure joy. Um, what other things? Yeah, and and what she does for other people too. It's just. It's incredible. People are really drawn by Erilyn and inspired by her. I mean, I'm inspired by her, um, but just to see other people be inspired by Erilyn and, and have faith and, and um, be a little bit stronger that they, than they were before uh, is just incredible because she brings out such good in people. Like Everybody just wants to kind of be like her. <laughs> Because she is so strong and so, so Yeah, she, surprisingly, she brings a lot of happiness to people. You know, people, they, we see a different side of people that we really don't see when they encounter her, which yeah. is pretty, which is pretty beautiful. You know, that was, you're anticipating my next question, which was what impact has her life had on your immediate family as well as extended family, friends, neighbors, and... Yeah, I feel like from the moment that she was born, everybody was kind of rooting for her. I feel like they knew that if she can do this, uh, so small that she is, uh, that they can do anything. So I've seen a lot of people just being more open to 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 having a struggle, but, but kind of trying to overcome it. Because if they see Erilyn overcoming something, they can overcome it too. They're inspired by her. Um, people are more open to talking about issues, their own issues, because um, even growing up 10 years back, 20 years back, it's like a taboo to talk about disabilities, you know, like there was something wrong with talking about disabilities. And now I feel like everybody is very comfortable with just talking about her and, and the things that we do on a day to day because they see me going through it with her. 
it's it's a great feeling to know that your child is is bringing out so much good and not someone else. Her story has helped a lot of people in my job. Like say, you know, we'll just have some casual conversation and they'll bring up something like, oh, I got a new kid or, you know, this is what's going on with me and my kids and stuff like that. So what I'll do is I'll offer them advice and then I tell them how it is living with a trisomy baby. And when they see it from my perspective, they're like, oh, wow, wait a second. And then the next day they'll call me and they'll say, you know what, I, after that story you told me, Alex, I went home and everything that I thought was an issue wasn't really an issue and I handled it just fine. Everything is great now. So like just having her around and her story being told to other people helps other people out. Like with their kids, you know, they're like, oh, no, I'm having so much issues. And I'm like, yeah, I'll give you some advice. Now let me let you know, you know, and they hear it and they're like, oh, all right, it makes sense. Yeah, you know? a, lot of, a lot of people kind of see what we go through on a day-to-day, -day, and then they say to themselves, we have nothing to complain about. We don't have anything to complain about. Like, they say, you know, I think about what you go through, and then it makes me kind of appreciate that we have it pretty good. There's nothing really to complain about. Like, if I'm not complaining, why should, why should you? You know what I mean? So I've seen a lot of people kind of really appreciate that their life and say to themselves there are greater struggles out there i say that to myself too you know i meet a lot of other families online and everyone has a different diagnosis and some children are struggle struggling more than others and and i say to myself you know i'm so grateful that erilyn is who she is and how she is and i shouldn't complain you know it could be worse <laughs> so other people's stories are helping us out too that's great yeah so if i were to come to you said, hey, I just received a diagnosis that our baby had trisomy 13. What advice would you give me, Alex? And let's say I'm at 20 weeks or whatever yeah. it might be. You know the usual, stay strong, stick with it. But I think the more important thing is to have faith because your faith is going to be shaken a lot. So my advice would be, yeah, to keep that. Uh, your number one priority is if you keep that faith, it'll help you out in the long run, short term and the long run. Yeah, that's pretty much it, because that's, that's the strongest thing I had. What advice I would give is heart. When you get a diagnosis, no one can compare to that. When you get a diagnosis, something changes in you. You kind of like, you feel that you're lost. The best advice I can give, because I've this is what I've done with Erilyn, was just trust in your baby. Let your baby lead the journey. They're more resilient than you think. They're going to teach you more things than you can teach them, and just kind of embrace the moment the way it is because there's nothing you can't change except your attitude towards it. Your attitude is try to keep the faith. Your job is to love and support. Your job is to be the cheerleader. Your job is to make sure that they don't feel alone. And that's how I felt with Carolyn. There was nothing, you know, we couldn't do anything. We couldn't do much, but just have faith. And that's what I did. I was her cheerleader. I was there by her side in the NICU, holding her hand, holding her close to my heart kissing her, whispering positive things into her, her soul, telling her that she's strong, and that um, whichever way this journey would take us, that I'm proud to be her mom. That's the best advice that I would give, is just let your child do its journey. And you've provided her with a wonderful, loving home. Thank you. She's, she's brought so much into our life that I'm so grateful for every moment of it. It's just, it's such a beautiful life. It's okay, it's, we're tired. <laughs> there is, you know, you're, you're exhausted and there's a lot of struggles, 
you know, there's not changing that, but to have that gift of being the most grateful that you could be, the gift of loving deeper than, than anything else. Erilyn is nonverbal and I, me and her still communicate on a different level. That's something that, you know, I would have never experienced with anybody else. I can't experience with anybody else. I experienced that with her, is um, this connection with your child like no other. So I'm, I'm so blessed and happy that our journey is the way that it is. Wonderful. Thank you for taking the time to, to meet you. with me and to tell your story. I'm Thank grateful you so for both, both of you and, and, uh, and, and sharing. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we're able to share her, her journey and that I hope that it, it does kind of go to someone that's going to really need it. And hopefully whatever words we say would influence somebody to, to understand that the, the diagnosis is not the end of it. The diagnosis doesn't define your child. There's more to your, your child than just label. So I hope that that reaches someone.